the special edition of The Rubber Room tonight, as we found out only an hour ago about the death of David Bowie, passing away completely unexpected at the age of 69 from cancer. So we've got a lot of people we're going to speak to around the world. We'll take your tributes as well. Jane Gazzo. Gazzo normally would be in the studio talking to me around about this time, but tonight you were going to take the night off. So it's a shame that I'm talking to you under these circumstances. My first reaction, Phil, is I don't believe it's true. It just it hasn't sunk in yet. I mean, only three days ago, I was just uh, downloading his uh, the new song from his new album, Black Star. It's called Lazarus. And uh, quite ironically, the opening line to the song is, look here, look up here, I'm in heaven. Wow, really? Um, and you, Jane Gazzo, by the way, a Triple M disc jockey and also um, a contributor, of course, to The Rubber Room. Uh, were you aware that he was unwell? No, not at all. And I'd just literally been to the David Bowie exhibition in Melbourne, which had been running for the last five months here in Melbourne. And, uh, you know, it was an incredible exhibition. And it's something incredible to see. And, you know, it was so alive, certainly in my mind anyway. And, and no, nobody had any clue, I don't think, anyway. I certainly hadn't heard from music industry friends overseas either. Yeah, of course. Um, again, like I said before, when the news came through, I mean, we were aware of Lem- Lemmy being unwell when Scott Whelan passed away, you know, that wasn't entirely unexpected because of the lifestyle that he lived. But this is just a complete and utter shock for everyone. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. crazy. And and it was his birthday, what, two, three days ago? I know it was literally two or three days ago, his birthday. He's just released a brand new album. So, you know, my news feeds over the last couple of days have been all about David Bowie's new album, how it's returned to form, people. So it's all been positive Bowie Bowie stuff that I've been reading. All right, sad to talk to you under these circumstances. Thanks very much for your time, Jay. Paul Cashmere, Australian music journalist, is on the phone. Uh, Incredible day, mate. Look, this is the last thing we're expecting today, Phil. I mean, everybody was buzzing with this new Bowie album that was just released last Friday on his 69th birthday. And I don't think anybody in the world had any idea that he was as sick as what he was. No. Were you even aware that he had cancer? Ten years ago, he had the heart attack when he was on the reality tour, and that's what brought the uh, touring career to an end. Uh, I was totally unaware that he uh, had cancer, although he looks very frail when you go back and have a look at the videos for the new clips, uh, Lazarus and Black Star, which are up on his uh, YouTube sites. He's uh, not looking a healthy man at all. No, I did see some photos of him, but I also thought at his age, 69, and Bowie's always looked frail anyway. I thought that that was just the age. But the album itself is a masterpiece, isn't it? No, the album is just vintage Bowie. And, uh, you know, Bowie, when I did an interview with him about 20 years ago and I asked him if he would ever go back and uh, redo the Thin White Duke or Ziggy Stardust, and his response was, I never repeat myself. Mm. And uh, that's that's the great thing about this Black Star record. It's got moments where you just are reminded of the greatness of Bowie in the 70s, but it's a totally unique record. There's nothing that sounds like it around there at the moment. And, wow, what a lesson for young musicians are out there today go and have a listen to a person like this who is actually creating something from the ground up yeah of course bowie as you mentioned to me off air didn't do very many interviews i think you had the honor of talking to him about 20 years ago yeah yeah and uh, we talked about some amazing things i was very interested to find out you know how that whole under pressure thing with queen and david bowie came about and uh, when i asked him if you know there was some big fight between him and uh, Freddie Mercury that there was rumoured to have been. He said, no, I just lived over there and Freddie lived over there and I just happened to be in the studio one night just catching up with the guys and put the vocals down and 
the reason there was never a video was because we both went our separate ways, so it just never happened. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of these great things that we now look back on as legendary, I guess, happened by accident for, you know, somebody like uh, David Bowie, who uh, operates on a different level to all of us. I mean, here's a guy that did Dancing in the Street with Mick Jagger, and uh, he produced the uh, Lou Reed Transformer album. He wrote the Iggy Pop, the Passenger album. Uh, you know, like just the the the, the uh, lifestyle that this guy had is just historic. And we're going to look back. You know, this is going to be somebody that we study in history. Oh, mate, I'm just wanted to thank Triple F for playing all this Bowie. Yeah. I, I knocked off work and heard one of the songs. I got back to the car. I thought, oh, this is really cool. And then I heard the news. And it's like, wow, ton of bricks. I said this before, like the death of Lennon. You'll remember where you were when you found this out. That's right. I mean, for me, there's probably the, the big three were Lennon, Bowie and Michael Hutchins. Uh, look, I was gobsmacked when I heard it. And I was just like in goosebumps when I heard 20,000 stereos just go full bore from the first song that you played when we heard the news. David Bowie, in case you haven't heard the news yet died peacefully today, surrounded by his family after a courageous 18-month battle with cancer that none of us knew about. Bowie celebrated his 69th birthday last Friday. He released his latest album. Bruce Butler's on the phone. Bruce recently in Melbourne hosted the David Bowie exhibition. How are you, mate? Hi, Phil. I'd like to say it's a pleasure, but unfortunately, not a good day. You've just had the Bowie exhibition in Melbourne. You would have been immersed in Bowie material for the last few months. It's been an incredible 12 months, particularly here in Melbourne, as you say, with the David Bowie exhibition. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to be the... Australian contributor for the exhibition, so I got to put some of my own archival personal material in there with all of the wonderful Bowie stuff. And um, just this weekend, of course, being his birthday, the local Bowie fan group, the David Bowie Down Under group, we get together every year on his birthday to have a party and a celebration and um, we had a big gathering and barbecue on Saturday to celebrate the new album. Uh, and his birthday, and to get this news 48 hours later is just... We thought it was a hoax at first. Yeah, well, you do. When you hear of these things, that's the first thing you think is, this can't be possible. Yeah, well, he'd just been seen, you know, in the last couple of weeks at um, the opening of his new musical on Broadway, the Lazarus musical, and so he's been out in public uh, in, in the last month on Saturday night in uh, New York, or on his birthday, so it would be Friday night in New York, Tony Visconti's band, Holy Holy, who play Bowie's album, Man Who Sold the World, uh, were playing in New York, and they, they rang Bowie from the concert and got the audience to sing him Happy Birthday. So right up to the end, he's still in touch with the fans, and, you know, again, to get this news, it's such a shock. I mean, there was no indication even that he'd been suffering from cancer. Uh, Looking back at the memorabilia and the stuff that you saw, what's the one thing that really gives you a fondness for the memories of Bowie? I don't think there was one thing in the exhibition. I think what I loved about the exhibition, as a Bowie fan who sort of thinks you've seen it all, I think what the exhibition did was show the artistic process that... You know, what you don't realise with Bowie, unlike a lot of artists that have a lot of great people working around them, he would take his influence, he would turn it into something uniquely his, but do the original sketches, the designs, the original demos, and then he'd get the right people to make it a reality. So he he would build... 
stage sets. He designed costumes. Yep. And you always thought these were other people, but he he did the original concept. And, uh, you know, that, that was an incredible process for any artist to go from the conception to the realisation pretty much on one's own, just bringing in the right people for the project. That's right, and to be able to reinvent himself and come up with new creative concepts all the time as well. Thank you, Phil, and thanks uh, for the support and keep playing that Bowie music tonight. George, hello, mate. Um, I was shattered and shocked. I was driving on the way home. I got goosebumps. He was a, he was a rock legend. Favourite Bowie moment? Um, Zig Zagast. How are you, Todd? Good, Phil. How are you, mate? What do you think? Uh, I, I think it's hopefully a tragic end to a tragic few months, mate. It's um, four iconic music uh, personalities have, have left us in the last few months. Yeah. I was only at the Stevie Wright Memorial last week as well. And yeah, Let Me yeah. Kill Meister over the weekend. Scott Wayland as well. Exactly right. It's, it's just a tragedy. It's a, you know, it's sort of a, an end of an era of, you know, real music that's come out of so many talented people. Triple M, mourning the parsoning of the rock legend that was David Bowie. 40 plus years of amazing music. The new album released only last week on his 69th birthday. And now passing away earlier on today after an 18-month battle with cancer. And Triple M uh, broadcasting legend Lee Simon is on the phone. Lee, good to talk to you, mate. You told me uh, off air a moment ago that you met Bowie back in the 80s. Met him a couple of times. One backstage at Kuyong when he was here for the uh, Glass Spider tour, I think it was. Yep. Uh, and uh, also a very wet night at Waverley, the... Um, Serious Moonlight Tour. Uh, met him very briefly. Uh, he was in full flight at that particular stage. It was one of those meet and greet things backstage, and he was charming, and he was gone. Yeah, <laughs> as they are when they make these meet and greet things. But he always seemed... I'd never met him, but all of the interviews that I'd seen, he always seemed a fairly affable kind of guy, and he always seemed to have time for everybody as well. Uh, absolutely, and uh, I've, I've been doing, I guess, what many others have. You know, you... you you start looking back and on YouTube and the, uh, the the thousand different David Bowies and you know you mentioned 45 years obviously going back to Space Oddity in 1969 and uh, he, he was going for 10 years prior to that yeah. um, probably thanks to the monkeys he changed to David Bowie and uh, and Ziggy Stardust and on it went uh, but uh, I was saying to somebody earlier that. Uh, the word legend gets thrown around very easily, but uh, absolutely qualified. And the amount of people who he influenced and uh, uh, and worked with along the way, whether or not it was, you know, you've spoken about his the legacy of his body of work, but the cover of the Easy Beats, uh, front of my mind on the pinups album, he's worked with uh, with Mick Jagger, the, the movie career that never quite completely took off. Yeah. Uh, just an enigma. And somebody who seemed to be more and more comfortable in his own skin as he got older as well, you know, just became more relaxed. And uh, did we get to see the real David Bowie towards the end? It's interesting. Apparently the album is a very good insight into you know what Bowie was all about. Maybe he was aware that this was going to be his last album and this was his way of getting some messages out to people. I thought he was very good in The Hunger with Catherine Deneuve. Um, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence was the other film that he made that was very interesting as well. But when you talk about the influence that he's had on people, if you look at the lineage and look at you know people from uh, Gary Newman through to James Freud, uh, John Fox... Um, you know, Midjour from Ultravox. The influence was ran through so many different uh, musical genres, didn't it? 
they all knelt at his altar. And also, not, not purely because of the musical side as well, uh, his approach to video clips, uh, and then you, you saw more of that with Peter Gabriel and on it went. Uh, just a very uh, creative, never standing still performer. Um, and uh, I think also somebody who was comfortable enough in his own skin to actually do uh, the sort of work that may not necessarily have been commercially as huge as some of his other stuff, but he was in a position to be able to do that. And he, he referred to his most recent album. A lot of people critiquing that uh, were talking about the fact that they couldn't quite understand what the lyrics were all about. And I wonder whether or not today's news will shed some light on on what he was uh, in fact trying to say in that last album. Of course, it's funny, uh, I was watching Countdown, they did the retro night on Saturday night, it was early in the morning and they were doing 1984, this was just after the Ashes to Ashes period, and he was doing Loving the Alien, and it seemed so completely inaccessible to all of the other music that was being played on Countdown at the time, Uh, and he just, you know, it was nothing like anything else that anybody else was doing, but also in a completely different direction from what he'd done with Ashes to Ashes. Never changing. To quote one of his songs as well, obviously changes. That was uh, an edict that it appears, looking back, he, uh, he lived by very strongly. Helen, your thoughts? Hello, mate. I am absolutely devastated to hear that news. I didn't, you know, none of us knew he had cancer, but yeah, it's absolutely shell-shocked I am. I've got goosebumps listening to your, to your tribute at the moment, but yeah, totally, totally in shock. Such a big influence on my life, mate, I tell you. Hey, Lachlan, how are you, mate? Hey, Phil, I'm good. How are you going? What are your thoughts? Look, I uh, honestly just wanted to say I think what you guys are doing is excellent. I think it really helps people with the grieving process. But um, look, if anything, I just wanted to tell everyone who listens, if they do want to hear Bowie at his absolute best, um, the Diamond Dogs album, just absolutely incredible. It's a musical masterpiece. And uh, in particular, the Sweet Thing Candidate, Sweet Thing Reprise, uh, the free track. Yeah, it's, it's an epic on there. It's just fantastic, Phil. We had Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins in. He wanted to talk about Bowie and play some. Hey, this is Billy Corgan, the Smashing Pumpkins. This is Triple M. Believe it or not, they're letting a radical like me pick three songs. Any songs I want. So I want to start with Moon Age Daydream by David Bowie. Uh, if you're a guitar player out there, what's amazing about this song is Mick Ronson's soloing at the end. Uh, classic Bowie. Great song. We actually tried to cover this in the Smashing Pumpkins, and this shows you how great the song is. I couldn't hit this vocal if I tried. So I guess as the days pass, we'll find out more and more stuff about Bowie that we didn't know. Like this, for example. Slash, Slash's mum, used to date Bowie. My mom actually started working with David professionally first. I, I don't know. I'm pretty sure that's how it started, and then it turned into some sort of mysterious romance that went on for a while after that. <laughs> I mean, I was eight years old or something, seven, eight years old. So, I mean, you know, the, he was always over. They were always together. Um, I caught them naked once. I they had a lot of stuff going on um but my perspective at eight was limited looking back on it i know exactly what was going on (laughs) i got john brewster from the angels on the phone mate it's uh good to talk to you although obviously very sad to talk to you under these circumstances and you only just found out about bowie's passing yeah uh phil i've just been up in the coorong with my wife and friends and in a boat sitting on a sand hill eating uh eating chicken drinking wine and i got i didn't have my phone with me i just got back into the car and uh there was a message from Lee Simon, yeah, uh, and so I'm in quite a state of shock about it. I, uh, I had no idea. I guess no one did. No, of course. Um, I imagine the sense of shock that you had seeing that was the same as when the news came through to us at six o'clock uh, tonight. It was a disbelief. You just, I imagine, you looked at the text and said, "Am I reading this right? Does this? It's obviously isn't making any sense to me." Well, yes. I mean, my first thought was that it must have had some sort of accident because. 
you know, he's one of those guys that just that seems to be forever young. You know, that always looks amazing and, you know, pretty much like he did in 1978 when we did that wonderful tour, the first time he ever toured Australia. And we were honoured because he actually chose the Angels from listening to our face-to-face album. Really? And uh, loved the band. And I can tell you that in those crazy days, we had one night off of that tour and we did the Bondi Lifesaver and we had 1,800 people jammed in like sardines. And, uh, you know, what we call the punter barrier, which is that barrier between the stage and the audience, we'd got about one song into the set. And I looked down and there was David Bowie and his whole band was filing in and they spent the whole show watching us play. Wow. Which blew me, blew me away. We had dinner with David and his band every day when the, you know, on that tour. We just got on wonderfully well. He was a very gracious guy, you know. When you had a look at the way Bowie used to write his songs, I saw a documentary and he, was, he wrote the lyrics of songs and then he would chop them up individually. He'd put all the words from the song in a hat, turn the hat upside down, see what he had, spread it out on the floor, and then write a song based on that. He had a very unusual and unconventional way of approaching music. Wow, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah, I guess it was, and I guess, it, you know, it was uh, it was absolutely brilliant because those songs will just live forever. Wonderful songs, and he was an amazing performer. Paul, your thoughts, mate? Oh, mate, I'm, I'm 52 years of age, um, followed David Bowie all my life, and, um, yeah, just absolutely in shock, mate. I got home from work and I was listening to the news and it came on and I just thought, no, it's got to be a mistake. Sammy X, you were just telling me a moment ago as the world wakes up to this news in the Northern Hemisphere, the tributes are starting to come through on Twitter as well. Yeah, so uh, people like Madonna, like Kanye, like Ricky Gervais, Pharrell Williams, uh, Elijah Wood, Gene Simmons, that everybody's absolutely devastated by this news. They're all getting on Twitter to say so. And when you mention those names and the complete sort of lineage, the difference between the people that you're saying as well. You know, yeah, the, the diversity. Exactly. It's amazing. From Kanye West through to Madonna through to Gene Simmons as well. So Madonna said, I'm devastated. This great artist changed my life. First concert I ever saw in Detroit. R.I.P. Hello, Dave. How are you? What do you think, buddy? Really, I, I think the first time I was introduced to David Bowie, I was about 10 years old and I'm 40 years old now. A family member of mine introduced me to him and that's, the mid-80s, but I listened to all his stuff from when he was Ziggy Sardas through to was known as David Bowie, yep. um, even to the point of Labyrinth. It's just a, a shock and very, very surreal. Callum. I love Bowie. I think he's one of those blokes you'd stand up and say very, very nearly a genius of pop music. You know, Bob Dylan, Jimi Hendrix and him, probably the big three ones. You know, the best thing about uh, Bowie he was always best when he was pushing himself into you know, places known as hell. I mean, like in the mid-70s, they were literally inventing genre names because he was you know, German Krautrock. What the hell is that? He invented yep. that. Of course. Uh, no one can come close. Got Kathy McCabe on the phone from uh, News Corp and news.com.au. Thanks very much for uh, having a chat with us. And uh, I guess you've had a very busy evening as well. In fact, I just had a look a moment ago at an interesting story that you'd written about David Bowie, Kathy, and the affinity that he had with Australia as well. Yeah, his love affair really happened on the very first tour in 78. He'd, he'd just hire a four-wheel drive when he wasn't playing shows and go bush. And obviously when he came back in the 80s to film Let's Dance and, and China Girl video clips and then, you know, to record the Tim Machine album, he, he would have more opportunity to, to just immerse himself, you know, in everyday life here as well as take off for, for these trips up to far, far north Queensland and, and the outback. Yeah. And I noticed that you mentioned in your article as well that he had an apartment in Sydney, in Elizabeth Bay in Sydney, that he kept so that he could make regular visits to Australia and stay there. 
Yeah, apparently he had it from about 83, I think, to 92 when, when he and Aman got married. Uh, he realised he wasn't going to be doing quite as much, you know, solo travelling down here as as he had done. Um, and I think it was in the King Koppel building from, from memory, which um, various other uh, uh, people of note have lived yeah. You notice that I haven't actually had the chance to get through your entire article yet, and I apologise for that, but there were quite a few little-known facts about Boeing as well that a lot of us may not have been aware of. He, well, he, when he was here, he, he really loved just just turning up at gigs and pubs. You know, there was forever people, you know, and this is the day before Twitter, days before Twitter and Facebook, so he could go out and the only people who would see him out, you know, were the people who were there. I remember one night, um, you know, all the Daily Telegraph journals, we'd left work, gone to the pub across the road and having drinks and everyone's saying from where they had the pants next door, um, David Bowie's in there. And everyone's like, going, yeah, bull. And yeah. then people running across and going, oh, my God, it is a whole bunch of journos completely starstruck and going, well, who's doing the story? Yeah. Great uh, story. Uh, an amazing musician, somebody who touched all of us. Uh, doesn't matter what your musical persuasion is. And certainly a massive loss for the Australian and for the, you know, the world's music community as well. Yeah, I reckon this, the world is a really sad place today. I just, I feel in, incredibly sad about his passing, you know, because he, he was so generous with with his creativity and, and, as you say, his genius. And, and I think, you know, he did that for us. He, I think he certainly did Black Star for us to, to leave that exactly. you know, for the band. Have you seen the video of the new single, by the way? I, you know what? I haven't had a chance. I've have a look. Go to, um, yeah. go to triplem.com.au and have a look at it. When you see the video, you'll be shocked, uh, amazed, stunned, astonished, all of those words. Uh, a prophet as always, right?